0: Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, the senior pastor. And wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message, that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. You can high five somebody or elbow somebody or something. Just grab your seats. That would be really good. Thanks, worship team. So, so good. Amen. Uh, I was just going to actually, before I move on, I'm just going to mention... Everybody who knows uh, Pastor Spencer has, uh, with his lovely wife Leah, now moved to Montreal in Canada to take on our campus there in Quebec in Canada. Uh, and so be praying for them because uh, right now, great things are happening already, even in the last little while since uh, Pastor Spencer's been there, they've been having people getting saved every week and uh, just some great things are happening. So we're very expectant of what's going to happen in Montreal, Canada. But I did want to just talk to you about a couple of people. So Pastor Luke, just coming up, Mark Brown, come on up. And uh, will I get Ross up as well? Ross, are you up? What, what are we doing? It, come on, Ross, come on up as well. So, give, give these three great men of God a hand as they come. So, I'll pray for them in a couple of weeks, but just wanted to let you know that uh, with our Pastor Spencer going, uh, we've got some great guys who are stepping up into new roles at the church. And uh, I love God's kingdom, it's always moving forward, and God is taking us forward. And uh, with that uh we're seeing pastor luke step up into pastor spencer's role and he's going to become our pastoral director here at global heart church and uh, so, give pastor luke a big hand give him a big hand and uh we should give jasmine an even greater hand because <laughs> so behind uh pastor luke is an uh, even greater lady isn't that right luke jazz. So we really appreciate you. So Luke got saved in our church years ago and uh, as a teenager and just to watch Luke grow over the years has been fantastic. He's a great man of God. Luke, we love you. We appreciate you, mate. Love your heart, love your spirit, love your passion for God and your passion for God's house, God's people. And uh, mate, you're a man of great discernment, great insight. I'm telling you now, Luke is a very insightful, discerning Christian, but definitely an insightful discerning pastor. That's probably why a few of you bypass him, but I don't. I want to be near him, and uh, he's, uh, he's great. So Luke, we're really excited to have you in that position. Mark Brown, we thank God for Mark as well, who uh, has now been serving at Tenacious House, our, our centre for men who are overcoming addictions and life-controlling uh, issues. Mark's been working, there, done a fantastic job, Mark. We just so appreciate you there, made all your efforts with all the men at Tenacious House. So give uh, give. Mark Mark a hand for all of his efforts there. But... Mark's going to step into a new pastoral role here with us at Global Heart Church. And uh, already, Mark, we're so excited about that. And we know that you're the right man for the job. Leslie, his lovely wife, oversees our finances and the financial team at Global Heart Church. And we're just so grateful. We're glad you two came from Northern Ireland. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and, uh, and so they're great blessings. So Mark Brown is going to step into that role. And we know, Mark, your heart again for God, for people. Fantastic. So give Mark a big hand as he steps into that and then Ross Slater is awesome as well. Ross got saved in church too, how many, 20 years ago? A week before Luke. <laughs> so, so Ross got saved in church as well and uh, became a Christian here. And just watching you as well, Ross, over the years, mate, grow into the man of God that you've become today. Fantastic. Ross is actually now studying and he's studying psychology and so he is, mm, he's, got, he's got all the gifts Ross has. So Ross is going to now, he's going to be transitioning at the end of the year uh, into next year into Tenacious House. And uh, going to be using his uh, degree that he'll be having shortly. And also going to be uh, serving pastorally and uh, alongside also some of the corporate stuff that's happening there as we go ahead at Tenacious House. So, so these guys, we're, uh, we've got some great people here and we're very blessed. So Ross, great to have you on board, mate, and great to be have you part of Tenacious House. So give Ross a big hand as well, which is so good. And uh, you guys, we appreciate you all. How blessed are we to have you part of the team here. So we're just really grateful for you all. So give these guys one more hand. Fantastic. You can grab a seat. And uh, we'll pray for them in a couple of weeks' time, actually, which will be really, really good. Uh, And that'll be great. Craig Johnson coming from, I think he's from like uh, the biggest or second biggest church in the United States. And Craig, we've got a nice relationship with. He's a great man of God, Craig. So very humble, very insightful. And so we're going to look forward to having him in just a couple of weeks' time. And then Jack Haynes again. Jack is just Absolutely uh, anointed for missions in Australia uh, and, you know, to hang hang on, to inspire us in Australia. But his missions that they're involved in uh, from Imaginations Church is all over the world and so he's going to be incredible to have Jack back and uh, I just love to sit and listen to Jack talk about God, his kingdom and uh, uh, what God's actually showing him and uh, he's going to have his lovely wife Carol with him this time for the first time I think with us which will be great as well. So, so good. I've just been in Germany everybody and uh, just so you know I've got a travel season happening just at the minute uh, because I went to Germany with our team there. I'm one week shy of not seeing them for three years. So with uh, COVID, you forget that it's actually a long time since we've actually been with our campuses at all our locations around the world. And so I haven't seen Matisse and Nicole uh, literally one week shy of three years, which is such a long time. And uh, so I've been with those guys and just had some training days, team training days, leadership Days. Uh, and also, if you've, yeah, I'll just keep going. You're doing well there. And uh, uh, Matthias and Nicole are doing a great job in coming out of that pandemic because they've had lockdown for two years. There have been no church for two years. And a lot of people who were um, in our church from around the world had to return to their countries or return to other cities. So they've had a very complex time trying to regather and restart church. And I'm really uh, very proud of them for their efforts and their hard work. Uh, And Pastor Vincent and Esther, who now are on our team and staff as well, we're just so grateful for them. And Vincent got to speak at Rise and Stand. And thanks everybody who sewed into Vincent and encouraged him because he's gone back and taken it back to Germany and uh, been sharing about what happened here in Perth when he came. So it's really amazing. God's on the move, but these guys do Need uh, that's some downtown offices right in the centre of the city. Uh, These guys uh, need our prayer because it's a big deal that's happening there. But it takes a lot of um, a lot of effort and a lot of challenge coming out of that. We didn't have a lockdown at all uh, in comparison. We just had it was a very small season. But these guys have had two years of that, which is really really challenging and complex. Uh, And so yes, I've been in there because we're looking right now at a new venue. If you guys have got a picture of that, I will take that picture of the new venue, which we're um, working and praying about. So right there is a new venue which we're looking at trying to get a weekend lease on. Uh, there we are, the guy's having some fun there. So we're praying for that place, so pray with us. And uh, who knows what's going to happen, but we're believing that God's going to do something. So it's right in uh, Hafen City, which is a new up-and-coming area in Hamburg. And uh, it's filled with a lot of 40 and under, which is really our demographic that we're trying to reach as well. So that's great, so be praying for them. And Matthias and Nicole, it's so funny, I'm hanging out with them and their kids. Matthias's parents are... Czech, from the Czech Republic, Nicole's parents are from Poland, but both of them were born in Germany and grew up in Germany, so they're German, but it's so funny, I'm hanging out with them, and Nicole's speaking to her children in Polish, Matthias is speaking to them in Czech, and then everybody who's visiting when I'm there with them is speaking German, And then when I spoke English to the children, they just stared at me like, what are you saying? Because uh, they don't speak English, so they're not into English at all. So, yeah, so what a world. We're breeding missionaries right there, I think. Uh, And that the kids are now speaking three languages, really, already, which is huge, right? So... Parents, we need to get our children learning some languages, don't we? So I'm pretty inspired by it. But uh, yeah, do pray for them. And uh, let's really believe with them that they're going to keep moving ahead there. And we're also having some other mission discussions with them in Europe. So it's interesting days, exciting days. And I'm about to also take Benjamin Lim. Who remembers Benjamin from Singapore? So Benjamin has never been to uh, Zambia or Rwanda, and I'm about to take him to Rwanda. So uh, he's he's very influential in Singapore, and Singapore is not involved in child sponsorship uh, at all. So I'm taking him to Rwanda with me, and he's going to see some uh, see some of what we're doing there, what you're doing there, hello, what you're doing there, and going to be also he's going to be talking to the staff of Compassion, who by the way, you guys have lifted the staff of Compassion around Australia. You. Now that we're sponsoring 1,300 children, and hit that goal of 1,300 children who are now getting schooling, medical, dental, pastoral care, nutrition, support, pastoral care and input. Because of you, that's incredible. And uh, it's actually lifted the staff in Rwanda because they've been facing such difficulties uh, coming through the pandemic. So we're going to actually be doing leaders meetings with them. Benjamin's going to be speaking and uh, I'm going to be speaking too. And then we're going to have some ministry with the four Square denomination there. There's a whole lot going to happen. And then we're in Zambia at our... Our church and Benjamin's going to be um, uh, meeting our church uh, in Lusaka, and I think he's going to be blown away as I am every time I go to Lusaka with our team there in Zambia. We've got such a fantastic team and a fantastic church, so it's going to be awesome, bringing for lots of souls. But we're also going to be having meetings to discussing uh, getting a building. Now that we have land, did you know we have land in Zambia? We have land. Did you know that you're landowners in Zambia? We are landowners in Zambia, and uh, and so we're going to be working on the building too. So lots are happening in our locations, Pastor Spencer is now warming up to Montreal, or cooling down, whichever way you want to look at it. When I was there like a couple of months ago, it was 34, and today I think it's around 14, so it's dropped 20 degrees, but what's 20 degrees between friends? Anyway... So, oh, Jordy just said, "Only another 20 to go," but uh, but uh, yeah, be praying for them as well. And already, I had some of their team from Montreal uh, messaging me this morning, and just so excited about what God's doing there, which is really fantastic. All right, hello. Just want to talk to you this morning uh, in the time that we have. And if you're new to church, welcome. Keep coming. As you keep coming, you watch what God does give God an opportunity in your life you keep rocking up and as time goes by God will really begin to speak to you and begin to move in your life in a powerful way but we really give you a big welcome so in John chapter 9 verse 1 powerful passage and I want to just talk to you about the power of seeing him don't know if you know this but God wants you to see him hello God wants you to see him and he wants you to know him In John 9, verse 1, it talks about Jesus, and it says, As he passed by, he saw a blind man who was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered and said, It was not this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. Everybody, my first thought to you as I head into this passage is, God's teaching us right there, don't judge situations. Don't judge things before time, don't judge people before time. And right here the disciples had already kind of made up their mind that maybe the parents had sinned or he'd sinned almost sort of with a reincarnation mindset that somewhere somebody did something and now they've been visited he's been visited with blindness. Can I encourage you God doesn't send sickness. He heals sickness, He doesn't send it. And you need to know God does not send bad situations to people. And uh, the Bible does teach us what we sow, we will reap. So we need to be realising that if we're putting bad seed in the ground, we will be reaping a harvest. But God's saying here, no, 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 don't judge. And that's a good lesson for all of us. Don't judge situations, don't judge people. Be slow to judge because uh, God has not sent this situation, but God is now going to use this situation and Jesus uh, is going to use it and that the man is going to be healed and this will bring glory to God. So everybody, life is imperfect. If you think life's perfect, well, I don't know what planet you live on. That's not the planet I live on because I've discovered that life is imperfect, life has challenges and that's why we need God. And uh, I need God more than ever, even though I've known Him for 40 years. I became a Christian all those years ago. But I need God more than ever and I need God walking with me. But uh, Sue said in the week, which is a really good point, that we need to be careful about judging people and judging uh, where they're at, Uh, particularly when you find some people a bit prickly. Anybody ever found uh, people prickly? Anybody here prickly? (laughs) (laughs) All of us are prickly, right? So, but, you know, Sue said a good thing. If we were to put a badge on people saying, here's what we'd been through, maybe we'd all be a little bit more gracious with each other if we realised what people had actually been through in their life. And so everybody, be slow to judge. And Jesus is saying, don't judge this situation. He goes on to verse four and says, we must work the works of Him who sent me. He's saying, we've got to do the works of the Father while it is day. Night comes when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Once again, everybody, Jesus came to bring light. He's the light of the world. In this darkened world, Jesus came to bring light to your life, light to your heart, light to your family, light to your future, light to your direction, light to your challenge, light to your problem, light to your suffering. Jesus wants to bring light so that you begin to see which way to go. And, uh, And so it says here that as He said this, then He spat on the ground made a clay of the spittle and then anointed the man's eyes with the clay, saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent." So Jesus right now bends down, this blind man's there and he gets the bit of mud, he spat in the mud and then he puts it in the guy's eyes and says, now go wash your eyes. Everybody, how incredible is it that Jesus did such a thing, which can you imagine in the religious world of our planet, People lose their minds thinking that Jesus did such a thing. But in actual fact, I think Jesus was really trying to shake things up and shake things up with the religious people looking on to say, listen, there's no method to healing. There's no method. We like methods. People want to say this is the method uh, to be holy. This is the clothes that are holy. Um, I come from, did have a religious childhood, though we... We're not following God, but we had a religious childhood. And I, even as a child, used to think, why is that outfit the holy outfit? Why do people wear those clothes? And if you go to Europe, you know, where I've lived, you'll see people walking around sometimes in outfits that are kind of from the 15th century. Why is that the holy outfit? It's not. Jesus never made a clothing style holy. He never said, this is the only way for people to be healed. And I think He was kind of breaking up for the religious people who thought, ah, now we have a method, you have to get clay, Spit in it, put it in people's eyes, and then they'll be healed. No, Jesus was saying, No, I'm just going to use that this time. And maybe he was using it to really parallel the fact that we come from the dust. You come from the clay. The Bible talks about that's where we came from. And I think he's probably using the parallel to say, Hey, listen, if I can create you from the dust, I can heal you from the dust in Jesus' name. So, he tells the blind man now to go and to wash in the pool of Siloam, which is again reminding us that oftentimes miracles, they come about from an action. Faith is an action. And uh, as we take action, you will often see God begin to turn up because your, your faith being operated causes God to move. So if you're saying, hey, I want to see God move in my life. Hey, I want to see a miracle. Ask God what He wants you to do. And I learned a long time ago, I had to move my hand for God to anoint it. I had to do something for God to anoint it and use it. I had to do something for God to bless it. But as I did, as I moved my hand or took an action, did something, suddenly I was seeing the miraculous beginning to happen. So faith requires action and spiritual sight requires action. Uh, Somebody in church a while ago ago said to me, how come you see so much in this area and you see that? And I was like, well, really the reality is it's because I act upon what I believe. I'm applying the Word of God. I'm hearing the Word of God, but then I'm acting upon it. And then as you act upon it, sight comes. And uh, I want to encourage you, become an insightful person. If you're a Christian already, become an insightful Christian by acting upon what God's Word says to do and also what God's asking you to do. Sight, spiritual sight really follows obedience. If you look in the Scripture, people who are insightful were obeying God. So here's the thought to you. What's the last thing God told you to do? What's the last thing God told you to do? I need to say that one more time because that just hit something. <laughs> What's the last thing God told you to do? Because when you do it, then you begin to see God move. Obedience always brings about spiritual sight. So, from when I got saved at nearly 19 years of age, not from a Christian background, and then beginning to read God's Word and see that God's Word said this and apply this and begin to do this. As I did it, suddenly I'd be like, oh wow, I can, I can see a bit further. I could begin to see a bit. Then I obeyed God again. Not always comfortable, not always easy, not always wanting to, but obeyed God. And as I did, suddenly, oh, I can see that. Then, oh, Jesus, I can see You. Oh, I can see this. Well, now I see a whole lot more and I'm up on a higher vantage point than I was 40 years ago But really, if I bring it back, it's always to, will I obey God or won't I obey God? Will I do my thing or will I do His thing? Will I ask God what He wants or will I tell God what I want? And when I do that, then God begins to bring spiritual sight. So everybody, I wanna encourage you, if you're having a challenging time right now in your life, um, and this man obviously being born blind and there's a whole lot of things happening in his life at that time. Um, I wanna just say to you, whatever's happening in your life, don't waste the moment of that because it can be a great moment in God if you give it to God. If somebody once, As somebody once said, don't waste a crisis. <laughs> don't waste a crisis. If you've got a crisis happening, let it work for you. Say to God, God, show me what I need to do right now. Help me to obey You in that, God. And then, Father, open my eyes to see that, God, You are with me. By the way, can I tell you that there is never with God like, you know, this is it. This is the end. Nothing can change. I felt like this is the end. I felt like nothing can change. But what I do is I say, Lord, help me to obey You now. Help me to follow Your leading now, God. And as I have done that, God has taken me out of darkness, out of, um, you know, no answer, no way, no hope. And suddenly I'm like, well, how did I get here? Everybody, there is a way out of that crisis. Don't waste it. Let it grow your character. Let it grow your heart. Learn from your crisis. But also to you, if it's crisis number 25, you might wanna stop and go, hang on a minute. What's happening again? Uh, am I the one creating the crisis? Uh, some of us are crisis addicts. We don't realise it, but we are. We just have one crisis after another. I think I had crisis addiction when I got saved because I grew up in crisis. Every week was a crisis. So when I got saved, if I wasn't having a crisis, it felt like something was wrong. So can I encourage everybody, if you keep finding yourself in another crisis, another crisis, another crisis, you may just be the driver of that car. (laughs) If you find yourself at the scene of the accident all the time, you may just be the driver. And you may need to say to God, help me, Lord. I keep, keep causing the, the problems and the accidents. accidents. So Lord, help me now to get out of that. Give me sight, Jesus, that takes me out of a life of crisis and possibly crisis addiction. I try not to cause crises anymore. Sometimes I do, probably for the staff, but for, for others, I try not to. There we go. <laughs> so the man the Bible says the man went he washed came back seeing and the neighbours who had seen him before as a beggar said hang on a minute is this not the man who used to sit and beg isn't this him some said it is he others said no but he is like him and he said I am the man Well, how amazing everybody he gets his sight he was begging before blind from birth and no one can even recognise him they're like who is this him is this the guy? Is this the guy who sat? Is this the guy who was begging? Is this the guy who was always there and he was broke and they couldn't even recognize him? This is just such spiritual truth. Now, when Jesus Christ has come into your life, when you've opened your life to God, when you've received Him as Lord and Savior, then God begins to change you. He changes your countenance. He changes your character. He changes your perspective. He changes your priorities. Hello, that's a total that happened in my life. And then the Bible nails it because it says in 2 Corinthians 5 16, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh. Even though we've known Christ by the flesh, yet now we know Him in this way no longer. So the Bible's telling us, everybody, we don't know any man or woman by the flesh any longer who's in Christ because they're changed and they're changing. I know over at our church life here, there's people in our church who, there's certain ones, you can try and get their names out of me, but you won't get them. But there's certain ones who I know over years and over decades, I can hardly recognise that person from the person who came in the door. There's, ones. There's about three who really stick out to me who I just like, where has that person gone? So changed by the power of God. So changed by the grace of God. So changed by the light that's come to their life. And, uh, and I just can't recognise them as the person who came. And then the Bible nails it. That's right. When you're in Christ, you're changed and we can't even recognise you. And they can't recognise the blind guy. They're like, is this him? Is this the guy was begging? Is this... He's been doing it for years and years and now He's unrecognisable. It's amazing how your countenance changes when you have light. They said to Him, how were your eyes opened? He answered, well, the man Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, said to me, go to to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said to Him, where is He? And He said, I don't know. I like that. Jesus doesn't hang around to get the glory, the big noting. Jesus just ministers, He turns up, He loves, He blesses, and He ultimately gets the glory, but He's not seeking it. And so the man can't find Him, even though Jesus could have said, hey, I'm the one, look what I did. I love that, the God that we serve is the God of humility. So the Bible tells us then they brought the Pharisees, the religious, to the man who had formerly been blind. And uh, they came, and it says it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened His eyes, and the Pharisees again asked Him, Hang on, how have you received your sight? And He said to them, well, He put my clay in my eyes again, I washed and I see. And the Pharisees said, this man can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they again said to the blind man, what do you say about Him since He has opened your eyes? And He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that because He'd been blind and had received His sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. They asked him, is this your son who who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And the parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age. He's got a driver's licence. He'll speak for himself. His his parents said this because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Going on verse 24, so for a second time they called the man who had been blind. They're not giving up here. And they said, come on, give God the praise. We know that this man, they're talking of Jesus, is a sinner. And he answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to Him, what did He do to you? How did He open your eyes? And He answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Isn't that it with the religious people? They can never accept that God is just a healing, miraculous God. So they're like, He's like, why do you wanna hear it again and again? And if we go down to verse 33, it says, If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered Him, You were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? They said to Jesus and to the man. And they cast him out. And Jesus then heard that they'd cast him out. Everybody just remember this. When God opens your eyes and you begin to walk with the Lord and you've now got spiritual sight, rejection comes to those whose eyes have been opened. Anybody who's a Christian for more than five minutes, if you've had your eyes open through salvation, you've had your eyes open walking with God, then you need to prepare yourself because you will have some rejection that comes to your life. I had people who were happy with me when I was not a Christian. They were happy with me when I was nearly an addict. They were happy with me when I had problems. The moment I started uh, coming, I came to God, and I started walking forward. I started getting happy. I started getting healed. There were people who were mad with me. They preferred me dysfunctional and broken. And by the way, they will prefer you like that. And the people preferred the blind man like that. And now that he'd been healed, they're all freaking out because we've got used to you. We've got you in a box But now you have been healed and your eyes have been opened and then rejection comes. It's the spiritual pattern. You need tenacity to stand for God. You need some tenaciousness to say, I'm going to stand for God when everything is hello, coming against me because I'm now walking with Him. I remember people saying to me, (laughs) so many of them, Jared, you're in a phase. You're going to a phase right now. You met somebody from church. Well, it's been a blooming long phase, 40 years. (laughs) So that's the longest phase I think you could have. And I said to them back then, as I said now, it's not a phase, God has opened my eyes. God has opened my eyes. Come on, God has opened my eyes. Vision requires tenacity. You gotta be tenacious. Some of us right now, you need to be tenacious to ask God, what does He really want you to do in the midst of your challenge? What does He really want you to do in the midst of your difficulty? What does He really want you to do? What happens is we don't ask, we just go, nope. And we shut down and we miss the miracle. And though it might be challenging to go to the pool, <laughs> wash your in front of everybody, go and do something that God's asking you to do. Listen, the blessing and the fruitfulness and the fulfilment that will come from doing God's will will be far greater for you than the challenge of following through on what you know Currently is hard, but you know it's the right thing to do. I always say, do it under God, and then God will make it make a way through whatever you are facing. If you do it under Him, in Jesus' name. Vision requires tenacity. By the way, the religious always re- reject the miraculous. It's amazing. Here they are, got a man who's been blind all his life from birth. Everybody knows it, and they still can't accept the fact that there's been a miracle. Why is that? Because miracles involve humility. They involve humility. It's things that are outside of my control, outside of your control. As a church, we've seen miracles, honestly, all the time. i had somebody come in the break and just tell me some of the miracles happening in their life in church. God is doing miracles. It's all the time. We're in miracle territory and so many things. But if you are religious and if, or if you are proud and you know better than God, listen, you will block it up. You won't see the miracles and you'll always be surprised that people do and you'll think that everybody's nutty and they're all, no, no, no. They're having it because they've humbled themselves. When you lose your control and you say, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you right now. Lord, I'm going to trust You and I can't see it. I'm not feeling it. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to do what Your Word says. When you do that, suddenly you begin to have things start happening. And what I've discovered is that I never had coincidences before I did that. Now I have coincidences nearly every day, if not every week. And they're not coincidences. They're god sentences. They're god sentences. Come on, you need some god sentences in your life. So the man uh, finds Jesus and he says, and Jesus says, says to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who speaks to you. Oh, gosh, can you imagine that? The blind man says, who, who who's healed me? Who should I be thanking? Who, who should I worship? Do you believe in the Son of Man? He goes, show me who he is. And he says, it is he who is speaking to you. Oh, can you imagine? It's suddenly the revelation, it's you. It's you, Jesus, it's you. And Jesus says, yeah, it's uh, the very one who is speaking to you right now. I think Jesus was doing that with a little smile. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Everybody, Jesus wants you to see him just as he wanted this blind man to see him. Jesus wants you to see him. You may not be blind physically, but spiritually you may well be blind. Can I encourage you? Jesus wants your eyes opened. He wants you to see Him. He wants you to, he wants you to see His goodness and His love for you. You know, um, just because you go to church, by the way, doesn't mean you can see. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you can see. Jesus told the religious, you, you know, you're, you're lost because you think you're not lost. <laughs> so if, you, if we think we're not lost... We have a problem. We always got to say, hang on a minute. Unless you've made a a decision in your life to put your faith in Christ and what He did on the cross, then anything that we're resting on in our own strength, the Bible's actually teaching us that we're lost. Matthew 7 says, Enter through the gate, the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. And the gate is narrow and the way is constricted, constricted, sorry, that leads to life. And there are few who find it. What does that mean? The Bible is actually saying there's a narrow road into God's kingdom. There's few, there's few who find it. Few people ultimately will end up in eternity. Why is that? It's because the narrow road is constricted. Why is it what how is it constricted? It's actually constricted because you enter only through humility. It's through humility that we go through. It's where I lay down my perspective, my opinions, what I think, da, da, da. And I go, Jesus, you've changed the world. You've changed history. You've changed culture, art, music. Everything's been impacted by your coming. I open my heart to you. I I, I didn't even know if God was real. I just said, I open my heart to you. And if you're real, Jesus, come into my life and save me. And that night when I said that to God and I meant it and I meant business with God, God came into my life. I'm always interested when I meet people and they never know the day they got saved. They never know when it happened. I'm like, I don't know how that works because I got saved February 17, 1981. It's a Tuesday night. Check your calendar. So I know 41 years ago, I got saved that night, February 17, 1981, about 8.30, 8.25, 8.30. And I was transformed by the light. The light came into my life. The light came on and I knew within that next day, I was forgiven. I knew I was loved that night by God. I'd never felt God's love before. I knew I was forgiven and I knew that week, I'm going to heaven. My eternal life is right with God. And I discovered this. A lot of people never mean business with God, so they never see God. You have to come to a point where you go, right God, I'm in business with you. Jesus, I wanna know you. I I need your forgiveness. I wanna receive eternal life. And the reality is too, Jesus has done it all. I don't have to do anything. He died on the cross. It's all been, it's done. This is the, this relationship is a relationship on it's all done. Jesus has done it. It's all done. People won't be in eternity just because they never put their faith in Jesus who did it and came humbly to Him. That's it. That's it. He's paid the price. I want to encourage everybody this Sunday your faith in Jesus. Leave knowing I gave my life to Christ this day. Go on, write the time down, and you will note that that's the day the light came on for the rest of your life. The light's on for me, and I'm so grateful for that, and I'm going to continue to walk in God's light for the rest of my life. I pray that you too will walk in God's light in your life, in Jesus' name. God bless everybody. Come on, Geordie. God bless.